My name is Andy Field. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network. You are listening to a podcast that still does uh, not officially have a name. We need to put a little more effort into this. We might. Uh, one day, just keep tuning in. One day we'll have officially have a name. But we talk Oregon football. We talk weekly. We review and preview games. Talk about whatever trends uh, are happening with Oregon football. I am Jack Butler here with Gus Morris. What's up, Jack? pretty good life's pretty good going down to both of us are going down to ucla and it's supposed to be like sunny in 85 yeah so, just got uh, back from stanford too yeah it was a uh, good trip although not for the ducks uh they lost 49 to 7 i enjoyed my time in yeah Palo Alto. it was fun there was a, a rabbit ran on the field and i i'm gonna go out on a limb and say we might see something that May not never ever happen again, or is extremely rare. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the conspiracy theory. Uh, I think it was planted. I think someone I think someone brought the rabbit into the stadium. Knowing the Stanford and band, then released it. That's so true. Exactly. I would not. Let's get this conspiracy theory going. Yeah. The Stanford band purposely put the rabbit onto the field. To be fair, I believe that the Oregon offense was driving down the field. And so maybe to give some Stanford defense its rest. I mean, I think I think they seven went seven points. Yeah, Oregon scored. I mean, like, just saying, like if the, yeah, the curse of the hair. There, there were some. The there are some big bags that that yeah. the Stanford band carries around. You never know. You can I don't know. There. I don't know if Taggart is superstitious, but it's he better a get sign. a witch doctor because the curse of the hair might be real. And uh, just to segue, that seemed to be the only thing that Oregon could catch. In the Stanford game, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did catch it on the sideline, which was which was pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, but after that gorgeous segue, um, thank you. That will never be topped. <laughs> we do seriously want to talk about the game because I think we did learn a lot about this Oregon team. Um, none of it good if nope. you're a Duck fan, a Duck player. Uh, really specifically about the offense, and we had our concerns once Justin Herbert went out. There were concerns before the season that this Justin Herbert injury would be the worst-case scenario after guys like Terry Wilson and Travis Johnson transferred because Taylor Alley and Taylor Alley had limited experience and Braxton Burmeister had none. So Burmeister gets the start, uh, and they can't pass the ball at all. No, I mean looking looking at his box score, he ended two of five, ten yards. Um, or no, three of eight, 23 yards. Taylor Alley was two of five yeah. for 10 yards. And those completions, some of them, most of them were garbage time. I think the Ducks called 25 consecutive run plays at some point in that game. And that just makes your offense extremely predictable. I mean, Stanford just basically loaded the box. Washington State loaded the box. UCLA is going to load the box. If you can't produce in any possible way, it doesn't matter how good your offensive line or running backs are. You're you're gonna put up seven points in a game. Yeah, and and what's crazy too is it, I, I think it was the fewest amount of points Oregon scored since like 2009, something like when they were shut out to to uh, I think it was UCLA, but but yeah, I mean it was a far cry from the from the Braxton Burmeister who we saw against uh, was Washington it? State. Washington he was, State. He had, I mean it was 15 of 15 to 27. I mean he actually like he it, it seemed like he he had a little more confidence in that game. Uh, I mean, he did still have two interceptions, but I mean, I think one of them was yeah. later in the game. But 
Cal, his second pass was caught, you know, I mean, was intercepted and it was pick. And, I mean, Taggart said after the game, you know, he said, I, I think he was a little bit shook after that. And it definitely showed. He was, uh, he didn't really look, look to throw the ball at all. He was, he yeah. was, I mean, like what I noticed is he would, you know, snap the ball, wait in the pocket, look for guys, never even looked like he was actually considering them and then would take off for maybe four or five yard run. Yeah, he, he ended up with more rushing yards than passing yards and more yeah. rushing attempts than, pa- yeah. than uh, passing attempts. And obviously it's sacks can yeah. kind of skew those numbers. In I really, yards, I really but... just think, I mean, he lost confidence after those, after those first ones. And, and that's, that's the biggest issue with the freshman quarterback. And they lost was, confidence yeah. in him. Yeah. I mean, 25 straight run plays, they pulled him and granted you just, it was the right decision. Yeah. They needed to do something. Yeah. yeah you know, hashtag do something. But you know, t- Taylor Alley wasn't the spark. I mean, his first pass was to like an five, five was, yards was, short. Was kind of five yards short to an open Jacob Breland, who was pretty visibly frustrated afterwards. And Taggart said, and you could just watch that they had some open receivers that yeah. they just didn't see, couldn't hit. So, yeah. I mean, the it it it's not great because the Oregon offensive line and running backs. I mean, as a team, they actually rushed pretty well they were yeah. able to move the ball it was there were a lot of penalties again that moved them back after big runs but Royce Freeman you know 143 yards they he averaged 7.9 yards per carry I mean they they were able to move the ball granted it's not the Stanford defensive front of the past and Stanford did get their best two best front seven players back in the second half and Oregon did lose two of their offensive linemen it, too, that too but you know even then they were able to move the ball i mean 276 total rushing yards isn't it is good it's good i mean if you approach yeah. 300 rushing yards that's that's solid so it's more than stanford actually ended up having which um it might have been a little surprising it but, didn't seem like that after the first after the first yeah quarter i mean away. they, they kind of got the kind of segueing into oregon defense they kind of got bryce loved a little early i mean yeah. he was able to drive down the field and single-handedly the, him one, like, one literally yeah literally one play uh, it was like 67-yard touchdown run, and you know he had 115 just, yards in his first five carries with two touchdowns. And that's you know that's what's hard about playing a a guy that's as good as Bryce Love is one missed gap, one missed gap, and he can he can go to the house and and they're kind of going to face a a slightly different attack in UCLA later, and, and we'll get to that. But you know that that challenge is more on the secondary, and, and we'll see how they're able to hold up because Stanford was actually able to pass the ball pretty effectively against yeah. them. And it wasn't as if the players were wide open, but Stanford made some really nice catches. They were able to exploit the small cornerbacks yep. with fades. I mean, you know, we were there, and it they were running the ball. But it seemed like any time they needed to pass, they could get it. Yeah, and I, I think it was they had four of their four of their seven touchdowns were actually on passes, which for again for a team like Stanford who is who's, who's super run heavy, is kind of surprising, especially against a team like Oregon who we thought was a pretty good who was a pretty good rushing defense. But yeah, I mean you could kind of just tell even after the first you know first half when it was uh I think it was like twenty eight seven at half, you could just kind of tell that guys were like, well we can't score, there's nothing going on here. You know, I mean, there was no energy on the sidelines. Justin Herbert was the only guy who was, like, waving a towel on the sidelines trying to get people fired up. Tyree Robinson even said after the game that the defensive coaches had to start yelling at the players to tell them to wake up. Yeah, I mean, it it, it really just seemed like either they weren't ready or they kind of just got punched in the mouth and it was just kind of over after that first quarter. Yeah, and I think we've all come to the conclusion that just given this team's youth a little inexperience, uh, this is 
this team showed that it, it might struggle on the road. I mean, they lost to Arizona State with Justin Herbert, um, yet they've looked really good in Autzen Stadium. And just kind of going back to your point, uh, you know, Oregon's quarterback rating, Braxton Burmeister at a three and Taylor Alley at two point six and this is out of a hundred, but then you just look at Stanford. That's Keller, not very good. Keller Christ a ninety five and KJ Costello a ninety nine point nine. And Costello only attempted six passes, but again it was efficient as a team. They were twenty one of twenty eight, two hundred fifty six yards. Which you mentioned that they would need to play well and that's and, and, and that's what they got out of their quarterbacks and and it obviously showed. And and credit to Stanford. I mean they executed they did a good job and by no means did they ever really have a wide open receiver that they were able to hit. I mean, Oregon was there, but JJ Arcega Whiteside and some of the really tall Stanford tight ends, they got down to the goal line and then they throw a fade to them and guys like Aaron, you know, at least listed, I think Arion Springs is like six feet. Ugo Amati is listed as like five eight. I mean, Thomas Graham's like five ten. So it was clearly game planned. Mm-hmm. I mean Stanford they like that fade, but um, you know they're they're a power run team. If they get down to the goal line, they're going to want to run it. But they would get down there and then throw a fade. And so it'll be interesting to see against UCLA with Josh Rosen, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. If when they get down in that zone, maybe they're like, "Well, you look, Stanford was pretty much able to throw fades at any point. Yeah. You know, are, are we going? Are they going to try and test some fades? And uh, so you know, we'll see. It's kind of kind of up in the air. I think going into that. UCLA game, I think the offense, and if you look back at one game, it's like, okay, how might the Ducks do this season? It's against Washington State. You know, Washington State throws the ball pretty much every play, yeah. and UCLA does the exact same. I yeah, mean, I think, I, I think you, you've got was, some solid statistics Yeah, I mean, it, but. the split for uh, for throwing and uh, and passing plays that run a game, I think it's 40. Yeah, they, run, they attempt 47 passing plays a game. And about thirty rushing plays. So, yeah. I mean, it's about a, it's about a, what is it, like a two to five to two ratio or something like that. I don't know. Math, math, numbers. Yeah. I write mm. things. You. But oh. yeah, no, I mean, like as as much as as Stanford is a run heavy offense, uh, UCLA is the exact same thing in terms of passing, and they have one of the best guys in the country who who, who does it. Um, Josh Rosen, the chosen Rosen, the Rosen one. There's the so Rosen many. One. The Rosen one. Uh, I, I mean, he's he's currently one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, he himself has accounted for uh, where is he the third most offensive yards in the entire country. He's completing sixty almost sixty five percent of his passes, uh, seventeen touchdowns, eight interceptions, um, and he kind of and, and he leads this UCLA team that that ranks up there with some of the best not only offenses but some of the best passing offenses in the entire country. Yeah, and if you had to look at a negative. He's usually good for about a pick a game. Yeah. If you know, well, like if you do the math, well, a little well, over. He threw three last week against Arizona. Exactly, and they lost forty-seven to thirty to Arizona. So, this is an Oregon defense that they got a, a ton of interceptions early in non-conference play, and then they haven't had one in Pac-12 play since. They've, they've, to you know, to their credit, they've had some dropped interceptions yeah. that they maybe should have grabbed. They probably but, could have had a couple actually against Stanford too, but yeah, and. And but if you're looking to help your offense, which you know, with Bra- Taggart said Braxton Burmeister is going to be a quarterback again. Um, I'd assume, just a guess, but I would say that's probably what's going to happen just until Herbert's back. Um, if you're going to need to spark the offense, which they're probably going to have to do, they're on the road. The UCLA defense is not good. No, and we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, too. but but again. <laughs> 
the Stanford's defensive stats weren't that great either. Um, mm. And Stanford held them to seven points, and it didn't look like Oregon can move the ball in any way. So Josh Rosen, I mean, th- coming off a three-interception game. At, but, yeah. but again, he's playing at home, which is definitely going to play into his favor. Which hands. will help. And, and good guys, guys like that with his talent usually bounce back. Yeah. And I'm going to say that he's probably not going to throw three interceptions. Probably not. But, a, you know, an interception, and just given the way the Oregon offense is performing, <laughs> an Oregon defensive touchdown it would be much needed, and and, yeah. and might just go every, you know, might help in every way for this offense, and maybe take some pressure off that offense. Yeah, and and this will be a really interesting game to kind of see where Oregon's defense is at, because again, we kind of thought that that the matchup against Stanford was going to be a, would, would 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 kind of play into their hands a bit. You know, Stanford doesn't pass the ball very well. They're very run heavy, and Oregon, uh, before that game, had you know had one of the better running defenses in the country. Um, now, now UCLA uh, again, like they don't run the ball very much. They pass, they pass it a, a ton, uh, and they're really good at passing it. They're the second best team in terms of passing yards per game, almost 400 a game. Uh, yeah, they they only average about 128 rushing yards per game, which ranks in the hundreds. Uh, you know, in terms of nationally, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just kind of think that this will be a very interesting lineup or a very interesting matchup to kind of see where, you know, to kind of get a better idea of where Oregon's offense is at. And again, they, they held Washington state and Luke Falk, you know, to a relatively quiet game. Yeah. And I, I just, I mean, Josh Rosen is kind of a different, different animal, but I mean, you know, the, op, the, the running game didn't have a, have a great time or the running defense didn't have a, you know, a, a great game against Stanford, but um, now it's kind of going to, the, the light's going to be kind of shown on Oregon's, you know, rushing defense and seeing how, or passing defense, seeing how legit they actually are. Yeah, and it's an opportunity for um, the Oregon pass rushers who have been pretty good this season, guys like Jalen Jelks, Henry Mondu, Justin Hollins, to go after the quarterback. And they were able to pressure Luke Falk, and they were able to force him into some errant throws and some throws that should have been intercepted that weren't, and some that were just overthrown. I think they they lead the Pac-12 in, in sacks. Oregon does. Uh, with 24 so they're gonna have so many opportunities to just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback and they've been really good at doing that kind of a surprise i think for me at least is this defensive line and just their ability to to rush the passer so again just kind of you you'd hope it might force a turnover you hope maybe just get some sacks for some third and longs uh, maybe in third down, you force them into a fourth yeah. down, and you just want to put some pressure on UCLA. Yeah, That's like really you I mean, do. you know, Rosen, as good as he is, he can he throws interceptions. He's he's yeah. aggressive, so that that gets him in trouble sometimes. He's mm-hmm. gonna burn you a couple times. He's just gonna make a fantastic throw, and there's gonna be nothing you can do. Yeah, but because he's aggressive, at certain points, then you you can get interceptions, and and the um, the UCLA offensive line has been really porous this year. I mean. They've allowed 14 sacks, which is eighth in the Pac-12. And granted, Washington State's defense has allowed the most sacks out of anybody, in the, or Washington State's offensive yeah. line has allowed the most sacks out of anybody in the Pac-12. So UCLA's will be a little better, but if you know if you watch UCLA throughout the season, Josh Rosen has just been pummeled. Yeah. So it's something that the Oregon defense is going to be able to do. Yeah, and and if there's ever going to be a game that that Oregon's uh, offense will like look at a matchup and be like, oh, like maybe we could do something here, it's probably going to be against UCLA. They their defense is not good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, 
I'm just going to throw, throw some numbers out there. Um, they give up a 523 yards per game. That's 127th out of 130 teams in the country. They give up 300, over 300 rushing yards a game, which is second worst in the country. And they allow uh, almost 41 points a game uh, through six games so far. So if there's any team that Oregon is going to be able to say, hey, even you know our offense has been struggling, this could be a chance to you know, crack through a little bit to maybe get some momentum back to maybe put some points up on the board. It's probably going to be against UCLA. And, and I mean, like you said, you know, Stanford kind of knew what was coming, you know, the rushing game was there. And you also kind of said, you know, UCLA is going to, is going to know that's coming as well. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you can stop the run, you can stop the run. Yeah. Like UCLA has the worst rushing defense in the PAC 12. Yeah. And just looking at their game last week, they allowed Arizona's Khalil Tate to rush for 230 yards Khalil Tate is the quarterback. Uh, <laughs> it was the FBS single game rushing record for a quarterback, and he was able to get it. And Bryce Love tore him up for two hundred and sixty-three yards as well. Like, yeah, they, you can run the ball, and Oregon was able to run the ball. Still is able to run the ball against uh, anybody, even if they're even if Braxton Burmeister is at quarterback and they're loading the box. Yeah. Even granted, if teams know what's going to come, they're still going to run. You can still get yards. It's really hard to sustain drives that way, which is yeah. what is the issue, but they're still able to get run yardage. And one thing I think we've seen from Burmeister, who is actually a skill he's better at than Justin Herbert, is running. Yeah. I think he's better at evading the pocket. He's better. Um, he's a little quicker. Yeah. I think he's a better runner. So The only thing is that comes at the cost of, of the passing game. Right. And it looks – and, I mean, again, the Stanford game was one of those games where where he lost confidence in the first couple of minutes and just didn't want to pass the ball at all and just ran, ran, ran. And, like, again, that opens up some interesting things for your offense. You know, like, um, I mean, he did have a couple of large gains. A couple of them were actually, you know, were, were called back for penalties, like classic Oregon drives. <laughs> but – but I mean, yeah, it, it kind of gives your offense a little more of a dimension that that Herbert couldn't bring. Granted, it it might not be the strongest thing ever, and you do want a a, a bit of a passing threat. It's it opens yeah. up some interesting pockets, especially with the bad it, Russian defense. It's just going to be interesting to watch kind of this game plan unfold for Oregon. Is like, are they going to have more designed read options for Burmeister to be able to run the ball? Are they going to have more quarterback design runs? Like, yeah, I'm sure they're looking at this Arizona tape and going. They were able to run it all over. They were using these plays, these things like that, you know, certain schemes that they'll be able to exploit against UCLA. And Burmeister might very well rack up a lot of rushing yards, and you, you might just be able to kind of dink and dunk slash quarterback run, running back run. You know, you don't know what's happening in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, you kind of just might be able to, to do that down the field and, and chew up chew up some clock so you can just rest your defense against the UCLA offense that goes really fast. But I think the Ducks will be able to run the ball. My question is, you know, are, are you hesitant in any way to run Burmeister? Because if <laughs> Burmeister gets hurt, yeah, it's, it's just alley. a Taylor alley. And, you know, I, I don't know what you would do in this situation or what you think. I think uh, I don't have to make that decision. But... <laughs> yeah, but – I, I don't see why you wouldn't because, A, it gives you the best opportunity to win the game. Yeah. But, B, if he gets hurt, yeah. is there, like, I don't, Taylor Alley can't be that much worse. <laughs> like, in <laughs> terms, of, in terms now, of producing, but... like, in terms of producing, I mean, I, I see, I, I say, you know, you don't live by getting injured, and, and they weren't. That's why they yeah. were running Herbert. But at the same time, you're sort of on your last straw. It's a tough it, – 
it's a tough decision to make because it's his strength. His strength is he's athletic. His strength is, you know, I mean, he can get up and down. Or, you know, I mean, he can take off if there's nothing there. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's just a dangerous strategy to approach. And and especially for a true freshman who might not make the best reads, who, you know, might try and get a, get a couple, you know, an extra yard here or there. Um, you know, I mean, if his confidence is, is a little better heading into this game. Yeah, I mean, it could definitely spell disaster. And if you're really tagged, that's, that's the last thing you want. You really do not want your starting quarterback and then yeah. your backup quarterback. And then you have to play who the guy who was your backup quarterback, but it's the guy who, like, it's just a it's just a terrible situation to be in. Yeah. If you're, it, like, and like you said in, in your game, in your story after the game, this is the worst case scenario. Like, this is. Yeah, you're in it. Yeah. We're, 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 we're living in Oregon's offensive worst case scenario. And it got even worse against Stanford and might be because. They're maybe one of the best tackles in the country. Yeah. Terrell Crosby got hurt with a concussion, so he's considered day-to-day. I don't also know. Also, Jake Pisarczyk. Jake Pisarczyk, And right same guard. with one of their running backs, too, Tony Brooks James. Tony Brooks James. So it's like Tony Brooks James with the ability to just break it all the way with that track speed. Um, but you you might have two, maybe one, worst case two, new offensive lineman yeah. Brady Aiello would take the place of Terrell Crosby and he started all of last year because Crosby was hurt basically all of last year so you know new in in quotes but regardless losing one of the best offensive linemen in the country could really hurt well and you're also doing this to to a, a, a team that's already one of the most penalized in the country as well yeah that's an entirely it is interesting because Taggart's old team, South Florida, is the only team yeah. that's more penalized. And granted, it's Charlie Strong. Taggart's not there; he hasn't been there for a while. But Willie's, I, Willie's guys, I, though. It is Willie's guys, so you, I don't. I, I don't know. It, it was an interesting stat that I I saw the other day. So I think we could probably talk a little more, but certainly exhausted some of the storylines. But going into this. Uh, again at the Rose Bowl, I think one one p.m. kickoff. One p.m. kickoff. Not eight eight. Not eight p.m. Thank goodness. So we we, I, what yeah. we, we left Stanford at two like, two a.m. Like two a.m. Um, so we won't be out of there until two a.m. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> but UCLA is the opened as the seven point favorite. It's since moved down to six and a half. Um, so in terms of your predictions, what do you what do you have? Well. So I don't think Oregon is especially going to be uh, a fan of passing the ball this game, um, and it's and it's actually funny because there was a practice report that came out of uh, that came out of uh, I mean it was the program that released it, but it was that the um, I think it was the practice from a couple of days ago that uh, that Oregon's defense its first its first team defense had like three or four interceptions. Yeah, I saw that today, which is not ideal. Because right. then it's like, well, yeah, the defense playing good, but that means Braxton Burmeister is really not getting any better. It's throwing three interceptions, and granted, we didn't see the interceptions, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's yeah. But I mean, I uh, yeah. So I don't think Oregon is going to be especially pass heavy, and they shouldn't be against a team like UCLA. They're, they they should rely on what on their strength, and that is running the ball. And I will think that UCLA's defense is you know weak enough that they will score. So, um, you know, I will say Oregon is going to get at least twenty one points. I think they will break through a couple more times. They they kind of know the the limitations with Burmeister, but the thing is is that UCLA and Josh Rosen is just like his he's just legit. Yeah, and I, I mean, watching him play is just like yeah he's uh, he, I mean he'll be playing on Sundays too for sure. Yeah, and I have you know UCLA winning straight up. I think that's yeah, that's an easy choice, and I think it's also an easy choice to say that they win by more than. Uh, six points. Yeah. So I have the final scores being UCLA forty-five, Oregon twenty-one. Yeah. I, I just think, I think Oregon's offense is going to have success running with the ball. They'll yeah. be able to t- 
to get some first downs. But when you're that one dimensional, it's really hard. Yeah, to have overall success. You're, you're gonna need to throw the ball successfully at some point, and we just haven't seen that yet with Justin Herbert out. No, um, regardless of the QB. So this is a UCLA defense that is extremely vulnerable, but um, this is also not a full strength Oregon offense. And on the on the flip side. UCLA and Josh Rosen can put up a lot of points, and I think they will because although this Oregon defense is much improved um, and they were able to slow down Washington State for a while, you know, Washington State still got, you know, 33 points on them. Um, And I think UCLA just at home, the Ducks, you know, they kind of seem to struggle a little bit with energy right out of the gate on the road. Is that going to happen again? I mean, back to back. I mean, if Josh is – I mean, if Josh Rosen just goes down right. down the field, just picks them apart, and just you know puts a couple of scores up on the board in the first yeah. quarter, that's I mean we could see the same same thing thing that happened against Stanford. Yeah, so I think you know Josh Rosen picks you apart, and then you can't, you, you you can't offensive, score offensive penalties. Yeah, you, you can't can score, score, and it kind of sticks to the same script. Then there's no way um, Oregon keeps us within six. So I mean, I, I'm kind of of the similar um, point where you're at. I I, I think I have it as a little. Um, more or less scoring. I just put 38 to 20. So, yeah, that's I mean, reasonable. I, I do think this Oregon running game is going to be able to do pretty well. Yeah, I I would agree. But it's just, I mean, Oregon's offense just hasn't been able to create yeah. anything. They have, they've had they have 17 total points in the last yeah. two games, which I believe was like the fewest amount of points they've had in a two-game span since like the mid-90s or something crazy like yeah, that. probably when I was born. <laughs> yeah, before uh, that or something. I'm 21. <laughs> so... A, a, a long time, but yeah, Oregon's even Oregon's offense has not been this bad in a long time. Yeah, so. and again, it all it all rests on how quickly Justin Herbert's collarbone heals. Yeah, so that does it for us. Uh, you can keep it right here, DailyEmerald.com, for more Oregon football content. Uh, you can go to the Emerald Podcast Network for more podcasts. Uh, they're great. You can also anytime you're on our website, they're just listed on SoundCloud. You can find them on iTunes. I'm sure wherever. You get podcasts is where uh, is where you, you can find you can find this podcast. So, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, and as always, for Gus Morris, I'm Jack Butler. Thank you. Mm-hmm.